Welcome everyone to the podcast, Let's Talk ICP. Today we have the co-founder of uh, Finterest as a guest, Oliver Barr. Thanks Oliver for accepting the invitation. Yeah, of course, ma'am. Thanks for having me on. First of all, uh, could you introduce yourself? Uh, I did uh, my own research and I know a little bit more about you. I know you are from Portland, Oregon. Uh, you have recently graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Mathematics uh, with a focus on statistics and data science. Also, you have specialized in developed apps with different programming languages, uh, as instance, Solidity, JavaScript, Node, JS, uh, WebGS, Truffle, and Garnatch. Uh, and also, you're a DeFi passionate. Yeah, can you <laughs> talk more about, about you, Oliver? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, you got most of it. Um, but yeah, back in college, I was kind of going into data science. That was kind of just like the generic route that that I had gone on because I enjoyed math. And so that's what I was studying. And most people that I knew in math were either going into data science or they're going to go into more uh, school forever. And that was not, neither, neither of those were super interests of mine. And right about the time I was about to start graduating, I'd gotten bitten by the crypto bug first, just as a speculator, but um, getting more and more into the kind of mathematics behind it, the cryptography behind it, it all really appealed to me. Um, the idea of um, self-custody of your own assets, um, of true property rights, all of those things really appealed to me. Um, so I kind of, right when I graduated in 2020, was right in the swing of the pandemic. So um, lots of places weren't really hiring. And the kind of, um, I'd actually signed up to go to the Peace Corps. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but the plan was I was going to go uh, be teaching math in a, a small village in Guinea in Africa. Oh. Um, but because of COVID, obviously that got yanked. And so I didn't really have any plans. Um, so I just kind of started working a part-time job and uh, diving full into the crypto scene. Um, I taught myself Solidity. Um, so then I started working as a Solidity developer for a couple of years, um, kind of just bouncing around projects until I started working more in the DeFi space, which is, like you mentioned, where my passion lies, I think giving people access to more financial freedom, financial tooling um, is a really positive thing. I think right now, a lot of people are being hampered by not being able to take control of their finances. So <clears throat> that's what makes me passionate about DeFi. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I met my co-founder, Carl. We were both working on a project together and we both were, we're just putting in a lot of hours and getting a lot done. And when that project started to wind down, we were kind of just looking for the next thing. And I'd had my eye on um, the internet computer for a while now. Um, I liked a couple of the ideas behind it, such as the uh, completely decentralized front and back end of your website, along with your smart contracts. Um, and then also their, uh, their native Bitcoin integration that was coming up at the time really excited me. The idea of truly being able to link together all these disparate different blockchains, instead of having to have these really vulnerable centralized bridges between them, um, which were just a total makeshift solution. Um, they, they were really presenting a new paradigm of cross-chain compatibility, which appealed to me. So, um, yeah, we just dove right in. We saw that no one was really building a, a robust borrowing and lending protocol. And we knew that was a super important part of the ecosystem. So we just dove right into that, um, maybe a little before April. And uh, we've come a long way since then. Mm -hmm. How you start, the, um, uh, how you know and meet uh, ICP? Because uh, Finterest, you found Finterest with your partner, Carl, Carl Sartz. And, yeah. and how, how you uh, decide to start to build on, on, on ICP if you also study like maybe other blockchains and then when you compare different blockchains, the top top tier ones, it's like, okay, this is the mm. best one. And 
how it was the approach for to internet computing? Yeah, so for me personally, I, like I said, I've been working on EVM chains for a long time. Um, I've been using Solidity mostly as my programming language. So I've had experience on almost all of the different EVM chains and they all have their small advantages and disadvantages, but none of them really presented like a new paradigm um, in the same way that Ethereum presented a new paradigm from Bitcoin where like past just having money, you have programmable money, which you can really easily spin up some sort of decentralized finance app with. In the same way, that was a big step forward. I think that ICP is actually trying to present a new big step forward um, in the areas of true decentralization of compatibility between blockchains um, and with their tooling for DAOs. Um, so I think a lot of the kind of layer twos and side chains that are all EVM compatible, um, they're, they're only kind of like half measures. Like they, they kind of solve one problem. Maybe they're a little bit cheaper, maybe they're a little bit faster, but they're not presenting a real step forward in the technology in the same way that the IC is. So um, even though at the time ICP was had a, had a less positive reputation than it does now maybe, and the developer community was a bit smaller. Um, so that also meant there was kind of more opportunity to build things here. Um, so we just kind of saw it as kind of like an undervalued play in a way. And um, yeah, saw ICP really presenting a, a big step forward. Okay, nice. And also, yeah, you and your partner, Carl Sarts, uh, who we'll also interview on the podcast in a yeah. few weeks. Uh, you have founded Finterest. This is the first bridge, bridgeless lending protocol on ICP. Uh, but digging more, what is exactly Finterest and which problems uh, resolve uh, Finterest compared with other uh, DeFi protocols and other lending uh, tools? Yeah, so I think the biggest comparisons that you can make with Finterest are Aave and Compound. Um, and they're both great protocols. I mean, the last 12 months have been some of the craziest for the, the crypto scene that we've ever seen. Huge institutions going down left and right. Uh, people who we thought would be around forever are going to prison. <laughs> um, so mm -hmm. things have been things have been shaky. But if you look at Compound or you look at Ave, um, if you had your money in there, you'd be forgiven for not knowing that the entire crypto scene just like collapsed in the last twelve months. If you had just been paying attention to those protocols, they've been running smoothly. I think there was a small exploit in Compound or uh, sorry in Ave, um, mm -hmm. but not many, not much money was lost through that, and it wasn't related to the the goings on. Um, in the crypto ecosystem. So for the most part, I mean, they've just kept chugging along um, super robust. So I think that's super inspirational. And so I think the thing that we do better, um, first of all, is that cross-chain compatibility. Um, we're going to be able to have assets coming in from Bitcoin, Ethereum, ICP, um, without having to go through these bridges. Um, like I said, they're expensive, they're slow. Um, if you've ever used a bridge before, you're sitting there watching your money in transit for five, six, seven hours maybe, um, and you know the whole time uh, this thing could get exploited, it could get drained at any time. It might be controlled by like a multi-sig, like four people could come and take all the money in it. So it's really vulnerable. And even uh, me and Carl had worked on a project on the Harmony One blockchain. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Um, they're a smaller EVM chain, but at some point they had their bridge hacked and drained and every protocol and they're pretty much just dried up instantly um, because you can't get your USDC off the, the network without losing 60, 50% on slippage. So these bridges, in some cases, entirely hold up and prop up these, these side chains. And if they go down, which they're, they're meant to at some point because of how vulnerable they are, um, the whole blockchain kind of collapses. Um, so I think those are kind of the, the big thing. That's the biggest thing. 
Um, on top of that, we have a couple interesting features um, to help out users. One of them is a transaction history. Um, we all learned last year, you might not be doing American taxes. I'm not sure how bad they are um, where you're from, but if you're an American and you did your taxes last year, you know how painful it is to try and track every transaction you did, every swap, every time you deposited and withdrew from a, a DeFi protocol. It's, it's a complete nightmare. So to try and ease that pain a little bit, um, we have a transaction history for our users. So you can just export as a CSV all the deposits withdrawals you made, um, all the loans you took out, all the prices that those things happened. So um, it should make it a tad easier for users. Um, and then the other thing that we're really excited about is we have a transparent like liquidation chart. So you can go through and look at the different assets and the big like pain points at these assets, what prices big liquidation cascades could happen at. Um, and that's just to keep our users informed if they're trying to take low risks, uh, loans out, they can see where the big liquidation cascades can occur and avoid taking out big money at those points. Um, so yeah, focus on the transparency has been a big, uh, a big focus of ours, especially post FTX. Yeah, I read also your, your article with Carl about the importance of, of bridges. I also posted on, yeah. on, on my LinkedIn. It's really interesting. And also I uh, check the and, also, and read the, the Twitter uh, post about um, the comparison about Compound and, and uh, Finterest in terms yeah. of cost, in, ter in terms also of uh, speed, um, yeah. the difference between wrapping and unwrapping because you don't need any wrapping for, for Bitcoin points uh this is really cool it's much cheaper in terms of deposit borrowing repays redeems also more secure as you mentioned for sure mm -hmm. uh yeah it's it's really interesting that the, the this point in in, in interest and also uh you recently published your alpha docs in yeah. the book about how a truly decentralized lending protocol works uh, I see, for example, uh, yeah, first steps and uh, how migrate the assets to FinTerest through the deposit ICP and deposits uh, DIP20, um, the token standard for DeFi system in internet computer, for example, to connect and have um, interoperability inter uh, options between internet computer and Ethereum. Maybe this is the, the, the future, and that's really cool. Uh, and also steps in Jitbook docs, uh, I see, for example, um, in terms of interactions, protocol interactions, in mm -hmm. mind, returns, redeem, repay, or liquidate. Um, also, how you calculate accurate the interest rates um, through the factors, uh, utilization rate, borrow rate, supply rate. Also, it's super interesting. It's a little bit uh, tough to understand everything, but it's uh, really cool. Also, the reserve factor or how you repay the by borrowers in, in, in each markets, uh, yeah. how it works, the liquidations. I, I mean, the, the collateral, if, if you don't have enough collateral, how it works, how uh, cover until the borrower value. Um, yeah, maybe you can tell us a little bit more or, or like the, the yeah. main ideas about the alpha dog and which is basically the, the bible right the, the law of interest <laughs> yeah um i can give you a, a basic like top-down view of how the protocol works um mm -hmm. like i mentioned before it's pretty similar to ave and compound we wanted to stay as close to those as possible um just because they've proven to be robust and to survive cataclysmic crypto events so um anytime that we deviated from what they did we did it with real purpose and intention. Um, but so for the most part, a lot of the math is similar. 
Um, but yeah, just kind of like on a high level, how it works is you go deposit your asset. Let's say you're going to deposit some ICP. Um, and so you deposit that and it gets pooled with all the other deposits of ICP um, that everyone else has put in there. And in return for that, you get some F tokens, um, which just represent your share of the tokens. And so once you've deposited those, you have some collateral, you can go take out a loan. So let's go say you're going to take out some Bitcoin. So you go to that pool of everyone's deposited Bitcoin and you pull out a little bit. Um, you can only go up to a certain percent of how much ICP you've deposited um, in a dollar value. And that's what the collateral factor that you're talking about. The more risky that an asset is, the less that we let you borrow against it, um, just because the price is going to fluctuate a lot and we want to help users not get liquidated. Um, unless that's kind of their, their whole plan. Um, so yeah, so the collateral factor is there to kind of reduce how much you can borrow against volatile assets, knowing that the price is going to be changing a lot. Um, so once you've borrowed your Bitcoin, you can do whatever you want with it. It's, it's, it's yours at that point. You can go interact with any other DeFi protocols. You can go buy things with it, whatever you want. But over time, you're accruing some interest on that. Um, that interest percentage is based off of how much is being borrowed from that pool. So if there's a bunch of Bitcoin and only a little bit's getting borrowed, the interest rate's not going to be super high. But if almost all the Bitcoin's getting borrowed, it's in high demand, then you're going to have to be paying a premium on that. And all of those, those fees get distributed back to the lenders. So as you've lent out your ICP and people are borrowing it over time, as they repay, you're getting a little bit back. So the exact math on that isn't as complicated as it looks. Um, there's nothing, no, no real high level math going on there, but um, it's all basically just meant to kind of incentivize more people to loan when an asset is in high demand and it incentivizes more people to borrow when an asset is not in high demand. So hopefully it kind of balances those things out over time. Um, we've seen with Compound and Aave that's worked out for the most part. Um, and then the kind of the, the big scary part is the liquidations. So if you borrow, if you have $100 worth of Bitcoin and you can borrow up to, let's say, $75 worth of ICP, so you max out that borrow and then the price of Bitcoin plummets. So now your $75 worth of ICP is being compared to $75 worth of Bitcoin. And so now you're in the liquidation range. Um, and that means someone can come pay down your outstanding debt and claim the assets that you've deposited. Um, obviously, that's not ideal. We don't want that to happen. But the reason that we need that to happen is if, for instance, someone knows that, let's say they know that ICP price is about to go way up. So they borrow a bunch of ICP right before that happens and the price doubles. And so now we're, they don't have to go repay those loans at any point. We can't like come steal their ICP, come take it back with force. So they have all this outstanding ICP debt, which is worth more than the loans they left in our system. So that means we're accumulating bad debt, as they'd say. And this happens a lot more in like centralized finance markets where uh, think about like the 2008 financial crash where all these companies were left holding these, these mortgage bonds, which are just completely worthless. Um, they have to write them off on their books and they lose all this money. So that's the point of the liquidations is to prevent us from ever accumulating bad debt. But we want Fintress to be able to run without our input forever. Basically, we want to put it out there. And as we introduce the governance features, we want to be able to completely step back and never have to touch it again. So the liquidation feature is there. Um, to keep people from giving us bad debt, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I also see like another uh, innovative system called that single side vaults, yeah. where you yeah. can securely borrow assets without any collateral, right? Um, so, yeah. almost. so the way it works is, so you can loan, you can deposit assets into a vault and still use that as collateral to borrow against, but without giving it um, into that pool 
pool of assets that people borrow against. So <clears throat> we know that we're writing this in Matoko. This is new technology. ICP hasn't been used for DeFi that heavily. Um, and so people are going to have concerns about security. And so if people are really security minded, we can we, we introduce these single sided vaults so people don't have to mix their funds with everyone else's. It makes it less vulnerable in the case of an exploit. Um, we're doing our audit with Quantstamp and we're getting DeFi insurance from them. So we're super confident about our security, but we know there's inherent risk in DeFi. So if people are super concerned about that, they can just deposit in these single sided vaults and borrow against it. Um, not earn any interest, obviously, but not be as vulnerable to exploits. Yeah. And uh, another project inside the Pinterest scope that I see is a uh, Fini, Fini feed or Fini yeah. feed, Fini, <laughs> maybe. Fini, yeah. Fini, Fini feed, yeah, where it uh, allows uh, developers to query real time prices of uh, mm -hmm. different assets completely on chain. This is uh, something huge. Yeah. Uh, what is exactly Fini and how does it work in terms of how you get the prices, 100% on chain? It's like mm. uh, with the HTTP outcalls or how, yes. how it exactly yeah. works? Yeah, so one of the awesome things about the internet computer is those HTTPS re uh, requests or queries, uh, which is something really interesting. A, a, lot of, a lot of projects on ETH, such as like Chainlink or others have been really focused on getting off-chain data on-chain. And how do you do that with the same level of trustlessness and security that you get with on-chain data? And obviously that's really difficult. Um, Chainlink has a bunch of different workarounds for that, but they're all highly complex, um, take a lot of people, a lot of different nodes running, a lot of activity. Um, and it's just kind of an awkward solution uh, for blockchains to deal with. Um, they've done great work, obviously, but it, it is a bit of an odd workaround. So what ICP does is they have their canisters, uh, they give their canisters the ability to directly make calls to different HTTP uh, queries. So um, in our case, what we're doing is we're querying different centralized and decentralized exchanges to grab price feed data um, from all these different exchanges. Um, we do just a little bit of simple math to, to make sure that any outliers um, are excluded. I don't know if you remember, I think it was late 2020 or early 2021 CoinGecko. I think all of the like market caps were a thousand X for some reason due to some errors. So obviously we don't want that yeah. happening. So um, we grab a large swath of these exchange datas and we take the median of them, exclude some of the outliers. Um, and so it's really, really easy and quick to start setting up um, price feed information like that in a really decentralized way. Um, so we're really excited about that. Um, it's super easy to, to hook up your app to it. We're going to try and make it as easy as possible for, for other DeFi apps to spin up quickly and use our, our price fee data. Are, are live now the, the Pinterest uh, app or the prices or Infini or this is something that you're working on now? So yeah, it's working right now. Um, we're still purchasing more APIs to, to add more exchanges to it to make it more, uh, more decentralized and more resilient. Um, but yeah, I think we have four or five on there right now that we've been using just for our in-house testing and it's, it's been working flawlessly. Cool. Yeah. Great. Um, also, yeah, for DeFi projects, I know like the importance of have a stable coin. Uh, for example, nowadays, internet computer, yeah, we have cycles, but cycles is not exactly a stable coin because it's more right, volatile. Yeah. And I know like uh, Pinterest is working now in, in this project. It's, it's a huge project. This, this is something that uh, ICP needs. Uh, and I know, for example, Antilope DAO or other, other projects uh, are 
uh, try to find a solution. And I think Finteres is uh, on the first uh, of the race, is the first, uh, uh, yeah, if, uh, entity that tried to do something like that. I'm not sure exactly if you um, and Carl and your team for sure are working on, on have the stable coin for ICP. Yeah, um, the stable coin is a tricky situation. It's a bit of, um, do you know the game chicken? Have you ever heard of that before where you like drive at each other and whoever turns away first loses whatever. So yeah. the thing with the stable coin is it's a big undertaking. Um, it's going to take a lot of resources and it's a very risky endeavor. I mean, we saw stable coins kind of losing their peg left and right um, this year and last. Yeah. And um, so obviously, and also there's a huge amount of legal and regulatory risk that you take on. Um, the U.S. right now is trying to figure out what the hell to do with stable coins, how they're going to how, how they're going to deal with them. Um, they can't really make up their mind on that right now. Um, but Fendris is kind of in a good position to do a stable coin just due to how similar borrowing and lending vaults are to things like DAI, their vault system. Um, it's pretty similar. So we kind of see ourselves as a <clears throat> in a good position to be able to pursue that. Um, we're definitely focused on getting Fendris and FinnyFeed out first um, before we start working on a stable coin. But um, we're still kind of in the air about whether we want to pursue that fully or not. Um, one of the big reasons that we're hesitant to is because we know that the the ICP or sorry the Definity team is working on the ETH integration, um, and as soon as that goes live, we're going to be able to use um, USDC, Dai, all the big stablecoins from ETH on canisters on ICP. So we're wondering if it's worth trying to drum up all this liquidity on the IC to fund um, fund a native stablecoin. There's definitely pros to it, but there isn't a lot of um, liquidity in the DeFi space on the IC as it stands. Definitely not enough to support a robust stablecoin. So it's a bit of a chicken and the egg scenario right now. Um, there needs to be more activity on the chain before it can fully support uh, ICP-centric stablecoin. But if Definity is able to do this ETH integration and we get access to all the big stablecoins that have built-in off-ramps already, then it may remove the need for it. Yeah, half cent is easier for you. Good. Yeah, and uh, yes. also yeah, congratulations because I read that recently you have completed uh, 1.5 million seeds round uh, you. with your investors, uh, Polychain and Nine Yards Capital. Yeah. Um, in terms of 2023, what is your exp expansion plans and new projects for the for the future? Um, also in terms of business growth and, and your team, I I I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly your team now is like seven or eight. Yeah, so it's we just uh, we added we got some help for the the Twitter side of things. So now it's eight, um, but yeah, we're still a pretty small team. Our engineering team, um, we have three engineers technically. Um, Carl, my co-founder, has helped out a lot with the front end, and I've helped with the architecture a bit, but I haven't been coding. So our engineering team is small. Our team overall is really small, and that's kind of been me and Carl's favorite way to run projects in the past. Um, we worked on a project in the past where we we got some money and we scaled up super quickly. And um, we realized that once you scale up, you spend as much time kind of managing people as you do actually getting work done. Um, and you have to you have to t learn a whole new skill set of how to manage people, um, how to track tasks and make sure that everything is getting done in the correct order and in time. So, uh, and we've just felt that with a couple of really passionate engineers, um, we've been able to move as quickly as any other team with. $50 million of funding and 30 engineers. Um, if we just have that focus and we have that, that, that vision, we know exactly what needs to be done at any given time, then we're able to move as quickly as 
as any other teams. So um, we are we're hesitant to scale up before we need to. Obviously, at some point, we won't be able to support everything with just a couple of engineers. So um, that'll have to happen at some point. But um, we're really happy with the work that we're getting done with with the size of our team as it is. So um, we're a bit hesitant to scale it up. Um, but yeah, Polychain and, and Nine Yards have been super helpful with us. Um, obviously, beyond beyond just the money, um, which is important, but um, they've been super helpful with connections, um, all sorts of industry leaders that we've been put in touch with. Um, so yeah, I think it's, we, we got really lucky with who is supporting us. Um, obviously at the time that we raised, um, the markets were kind of crashing and, and money was getting a lot more expensive, but even still, um, I would, for any like co-founders or founders of projects, uh, be careful of who you take money from because uh, once they give you that money, they have a lot of power over you and you need to, you need to be very careful about who you give that power to. So uh, we've been extremely fortunate with our, with our investors and luckily haven't had to run into those issues yet, but I know they exist and I've seen that happen to other co-founders and it's not a good scenario. Yeah, for sure. Now you have the trust of Polychain and Nine Yards Capital and there are like good seats and good investors to, to yeah. try to, yeah, to trust in them, of course. And also you, you get the Definity grants before to yes. run, run up the, the project. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we, um, we, what was our first, I think, I think at our first grant meeting back in uh, April 1st, um, and I, I distinctly, distinctly remember that that's when it kind of things started to feel real when we got our first little check for that. Um, so yeah, Divinity has been really helpful. Um, their grant program is great. Um, if anyone has any interest in building on the IC, definitely hop in a call with them sooner rather than later. Um, they can kind of point you in the direction of things that need to be done. There's a lot of pretty basic infrastructure projects that still need to be worked on. So if you're a developer and you, you need a new project to work on, definitely. Um, I think they have like a bounty list of things that need to get worked on. So um, check that out. They're, they're, they're very uh, generous isn't the right word, but they're not like trying to screw people over. They're definitely willing to give money to people that are doing good work. So um, definitely do that. Um, also, they they put us in contact with their their Bitcoin integration team uh, when that still wasn't out yet. So they helped us work with kind of the beta of that, um, give us some tips and took some feedback. So um, the engineering side of Definity has been really great too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is that the program, the grants program from Definity is huge. They offer is two hundred million, um, and also is two hundred twenty three two hundred thousand million and. 223 projects by now uh, get the, the, the grants. That is pretty cool. Um, also, you mentioned before how you deal with uh, the, for sure, the, the software part or the development part in Pinterest and also manage your team. If next year you are, for sure, you are going to grow uh, in terms of numbers in your team. I'm curious how, how you like, uh, you and Carl can like, for one side, develop everything back end from end, and then by the other hand, um, manage your team. Like right. try to get the, the the goals and targets and tasks for all the team. Maybe like manage a team for five, six, seven, eight, ten persons is easier. But then, when as you mentioned, when you scale up the the business and you start to manage uh, this this sense or or hundred of people, for sure you need. Uh, also people to trust and, and how you manage with this type of uh, things yeah in daily basis. I mean it, it's a challenge um, I definitely don't have all the answers to it I yeah. think uh, 
a big advantage that me and Carl have is that we were both developers um, and very recently at that. So uh, we have a strong like connection and understanding with our, our engineers. Um, we're not kind of just coming in there and being like, oh, oh, we need to accomplish this in like two weeks and screw you guys if you can't do it or whatever. Um, we understand how the development process works. We understand how timelines work. Um, and we're working with like completely novel technology, things that no one's ever done before. So um, there's no real way to put like time estimates on this sort of thing. So um, we're very understanding with our engineers on that front. Um, we're not putting in insane, unrealistic demands with them, which I think is important and overlooked in the, in the industry. You have a lot of business focused people coming in here and trying to tell engineers how to do their job. So hmm. I kind of view my and Carl's job as trying to, get rid of any roadblocks, any problems that our engineers would have that they don't want to deal with. Engineers don't give a shit about our marketing team. They don't care about, our, I mean, they care about our investment, but they don't really care. They just want it to be there. Um, they don't care about X, Y, and Z problem. They just want to get the work done. So me and Carl's job is to kind of come and take care of, remove all those roadblocks for them, make sure that all they have to focus on is, is making X turn into Y. And that's what engineers like to do. That's what I like to do as an engineer. So um, having that understanding is good, I think. Um, but yeah, once we start scaling up, it's going to be a real challenge. Um, I, I have maybe a bad habit of micromanaging too much. And that's just not feasible. Once you get a team of the sizes that you're talking about, I'm going to have to start learning to place my trust in other people more. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I don't think I have the answers necessarily, but it's definitely going to, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the challenge, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. Also, it's impressive because... Um... How old are, are you and, and Carl? You're so young, uh, right? Carl's 24. I turned 25 back in October. Wow. It's like uh, recently finished your bachelor, but it's like you have a, no a lot of knowledge about blockchains, protocols, cryptos, and everything. And that's impressive. That's that's something. Thank you. Yeah. yeah it's like uh, behind the scenes is a lot of hours and work hard. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and also your, your career, like mathematics and also the, the developing softwares and know more about the uh, programming languages helps a lot but yeah it's so impressive if to someone like is external or outside of icp and maybe investors or whatever and and here you and carl talking about the fintech it's like wow this is a huge project i want to invest here <laughs> i appreciate it i mean yeah you uh when you're when you're passionate about something it, it the hours kind of just fly by and it's such an advantage um, I think back to when I was in school, I mean, I really, I enjoy mathematics and I'm passionate about it, but mm. for some reason, when it's in that school environment and you have homework and you have tests and you have some old guy telling you what to do, I get really just unmotivated to do any work at all, um, which sucks because I love math. But yeah. but yeah, when I was in school, it was such a struggle for me to just do anything, any amount of studying, any amount of work. I had to put like all my willpower into it. Um, but now that I found something that I love to do, it's it's a total breeze. It doesn't feel like work at all to, to spend all day learning about some new technology or even the more menial stuff, like meeting with marketing and stuff. When there's that that vision and that goal and that overall passion, it just makes it so much easier. So, yeah, when I step back and take a look at it, I'm like, oh, wow, I've actually, it's pretty impressive what I've done. But on the day to day, it just feels like natural. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is great. This is a way that build um, a good business and try to scale up more and have success, of course. Um, also, yeah, in terms of governance, can you tell us more yeah. about the governance in Finterest? If you are thinking in the future, do like like a DAO system or by now you want to yeah, centralize the development of Finterest? Uh, 
because yeah, until the project is more mature, because for sure mm -hmm. it does have like a lot of advantages, but also the, the project can relent the size and is go more slow for because all the decisions, uh, all the people needs to approve or at least vote uh, right. to approve or reject. And what is your, your idea for, for Finterest in the governance side now and maybe in, in the future? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on governance. Um, it's, I don't think anyone has kind of gotten gotten it right yet necessarily yeah. um i think there's a t i understand the point of governance i like the idea of decentralization um but when it comes to a business having a leader with a vision and the the passion to get it done is pretty it's hard to beat that and even if that leader <clears throat> excuse me isn't perfect or even if they don't have the the total correct ideas just the fact that there's one vision and one goal and there's no it's it's very decisive um and and everyone is kind of under the same marching orders that cannot be under, understated as kind of a business strategy but um for kind of these decentralized finance protocols i think of them more as <clears throat> more as tools than businesses necessarily um, and so these tools need to be able to adapt to the people that are using them. And so I think that's where kind of governance comes in and can be quite useful. Um, so I think the plan with Fentress right now, obviously, is going to have to be launched in a semi-centralized state. Um, obviously, we're not going to have control of user funds or anything, but control of the different parameters or what tokens we list initially, we're going to have full control of that. Um, like I said before, the ICP community is, is, is good, but it's not huge. Um, there's not a ton of liquidity. So if we opened everything up, to be decentralized and open to governance, it'd be extremely cheap to attack us um, if there wasn't that that robust liquidity. So um, our plan right now is to launch and then roll out more governance features over time um, as the community builds up and there's more liquidity in the space, uh, mostly as a way to protect the protocol. I've worked on uh, <clears throat> a, hand <coughs> excuse me, a handful of protocols in the past and that transition from, from launching it to then decentralizing it fully is always a tough a tough call to make when when the best time is to do that um, but luckily due to some of the some of the backers that we have and some of the partners we have i think we're going to be able to accelerate that process a lot um, a lot quicker okay great and um, yeah just the last question because we have just a couple of minutes more um in terms of marketing um how you working you have your twitter account also you have the support from from us from definity and, my, and special projects uh what is your, your idea for marketing? You're working also doing articles, but do you have any idea, any plan for that? Yes. So me and Carl, like I said, we, we were engineers, we're not marketers. So um, that's been the area that we've we've had like the least amount of knowledge, basically. Um, and so we've been experimenting with different things. Um, focusing on the Twitter and kind of the more grassroots thing has been important to us. Um, using our own kind of networks of people that we know, um, kind of getting the word out that way is really important. I think that any sort of kind of grassroots growth that you can do is worth a lot more than any sort of artificial marketing that you can do. Um, getting people that care about DeFi and are interested in cross-chain compatibility, like finding that ideal market, getting one person that's passionate about it is going to be so much more valuable than a hundred people that know what Fentress is, but don't really use it, don't really care. So uh, me and Carlos' main focus has kind of been trying to meet the people that care most about it and kind of are the biggest influencers in that space um, to grow things grassroots. But we've been trying a lot of things. We hired a marketing firm that have been working on those articles, getting those out. Um, we published our raise announcement article, which which got a lot of 
a lot of clicks and got us a lot of followers. So we're kind of hitting every angle that we can right now and seeing what works, um, taking a scientific engineering approach to it, seeing what works, leaving what doesn't and uh, moving on from there. So that's definitely, I think our biggest hurdle personally is figuring out the marketing angle of things. So uh, we can use all the assistance we can on that front, but Affinity has been helpful with that. Polychain has been really helpful with that. So we have some good backers in our corner. Mm -hmm. Great. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's all. Thank you, Oliver Barr, yeah, co-founder uh, of Pinterest. Uh, thank you for, for your time today and also for explaining the audience how it works Pinterest and what is the, the, the best features and why is one of the best uh, um project in in IT internet computer protocol and for sure like try to do like cross chain and reach out not just icp community also uh, other communities all around the world um yeah really appreciate it your time today and good luck for next year um yeah yeah we keep him posted maybe in a few weeks we do another interview with your your partner with carl um, yeah. and see yeah. more and for sure you have all the support from the affinity the icp and all the community also special projects team in, in affinity thanks so thank you so much yeah. thanks so much have a good one uh, yeah a good day bye